to our chapel service this morning. We're glad to see your smiling faces, so that means I want to see you smiling. I know you got some exams coming up, feeling a little stressed, but just think, there are a couple of more weeks before. How many seniors in the house? Ah, yeah, I know what that feels like. When I got my master's and they called my name, Keith, I ran. I was like, yes, Lord. Don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> but it, how many know laughter is like medicine? It's good for the heart. It's good to laugh. So we welcome you to our chapel. Good morning, uh, President Beck over there with that smile. <laughs> He's like, hey, hey, hey. So, <laughs> so we welcome you. These are our announcements. Young Life Capernaum Talent Show tomorrow, Wednesday night. If you've not been, it is a ministry in which many Whitworth students serve, love, and get to know high school students and young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities in Jesus' name. God bless you for you that do that. I, I love working in community. I have a servant's heart wherever I can plug in. I love serving. Amen? I need communion service. We only have two more communion services. So... The form is blank in the back. Somebody asked me, is there anything special that you have to do? No, just sign the paper. We'll tell you what to do, how to do it, what to say, and how to say it. Amen. And uh, one quick thing, our Mindy, this is, uh, I think at the end of this week, she will be the Reverend Doctor <laughs> Melinda Marie Smith. I tell her she is my shero. She is. Because she's a preacher woman, and, and I just love it. I just love it. I know she's going to do great things. I, I told her she was a traitor, but then I realized, oh, she's only moving across the hall. So it ain't like she's going far, so I, I still got her. But it's good to see her take the mantle. And so uh, for the women who think you've been called to ministry, look up me and Reverend Doc. We'll fill you in. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your love, your kindness, your mercy, and your amazing grace. Father, there's so many things going on in the heavenlies as well as on this earth. And so we lift up our country. So many broken hearts. So many people have lost lives. And Lord, when you told me not only black lives matter, you told me one thing. All souls matter. They are important to the kingdom of God. So we lift up that man, that woman, that boy, that girl may be in the valley of decision to say, Lord, what about me? And we know you have not forgotten them, the lost, those with broken hearts, those who've lost children and loved ones. We lift up our world. It is in dire straits. But we know that you love each and every one of us. And so, Father, if we just think today that somebody that doesn't have food or clothes or a shelter, Lord, let us think about those and not ourselves. And so, Father, we just thank you as Mindy takes us back into Revelations and all that we do to God be the glory. Amen. Thank you, Mama. I will go nowhere else in my life and have the support of Stephanie Noble's being. So it's been a privilege serving with you. My friends, 
Well, as this is the last sermon, I um, may be a wee bit offensive here, so <laughs> I may be uh, kicked out right here at the end, so bear with me. But Revelation 18 is setting me up. So I want to take you back to that day after the election in the fall of 2016. That's where we're starting. The day after the election of 2016, people were confused, they were angry, they were celebrating, they were excited, they were anticipating something new. And my good friend and campus pastor, Mary Holtz, she wrote this on her Facebook page the day after the election of 2016. Jesus is Lord. Act like it. Act like he is Lord of how you hope and pray and treat each other. Act like he is Lord of the church. Act like he is Lord of how we will love everyone who feels threatened and afraid today. Act like he is Lord of how we will love people who didn't vote the way we did. Act like he is Lord because he is. And because Jesus lives and he is Lord, we can face tomorrow. Now many might say on that day, in the midst of all of those emotions, these words were not particularly helpful. They actually weren't that comforting. But the only reason that she was able to write those words on that Wednesday or any other day that marks our history within the United States is because of the book of Revelation. As we have seen, this book has described this very twisted and unhealthy relationship between Christians and the empire. Christians are consumed and obsessed with the empire. We want to know our leaders are going to build up a Christian empire. And what we saw in the months leading up to that election, and in the year and a half that has followed, Christians are continuing to try to align themselves with the empire. Christians across the political spectrum were able to overlook particular aspects of the presidential candidates because there were certain values we wanted to promote more. Some thought if this candidate were to make it into office, my interest would be protected for four more years. And in that regard, we got it all wrong. Some of our dear friends voted for Secretary Clinton because it was time for a woman to be in that office because she would uphold the rights of women and would work toward affordable health care. She would value education for our kids. And then there were those of us who voted for Trump, who were longing for a change, who wanted to hold a conservative line, who wanted to protect the unborn. And we thought his position would give us power, guard our values, protect our borders, lower taxes, and home, hold firm to our Christian values. How many Christians voted for Clinton? And how many Christians voted for Trump? Because maybe we have a vision of a country that would really be a land of the free. 
that our land would be, have an opportunity for all where women were equal and racism was overcome. And maybe if we really believed in one candidate, that our empire would make, become a beautiful Christian nation and we could in fact make America great again. Make America great again? Really? Can I say something offensive? What we have learned is that we as Christians have confused the empire with the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of God in which every tribe and tongue and nation will be welcomed. It is the kingdom of God in which there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is where the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, not the United States, the kingdom of God. And if we continue to believe that the empire or any presidential candidate will bring us anything other than death, we have committed a millennial-old heresy because we continue to put our hope in an empire to do the right thing. We actually thought if we voted for the right person, they would have our backs. My friends, when we look to anyone other than Jesus the Christ to guarantee us a better future, we have committed idolatry. And so this morning, as we look at Revelation 18, we see an empire on fire. Babylon has human self-deification at the center. I worship myself, my power, my greed, my values, my candidate, my economic prosperity, while injustice and oppression destroy anyone else in our wake. Does it sound like an empire you know? Right here in our own country, we will stop at nothing to self-promote, to step on others to make money, to oppress those who are not in the majority, and to stop at nothing to be the greatest, the richest, the strongest, an empire with all the power. In John's day, the empire that he was speaking about was a city called Babylon. And here's what it says in Revelation 18. After I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his splendor, he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. It has become a dwelling place of demons, a haunt of every foul spirit, a haunt of every foul bird, a haunt of every foul and hateful beast, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxury. And it goes on to tell us that the empire begins to burn down because it is corrupt. 
How have we bought into this idea that we can be selfish, that we can be rich, that we can be obsessed with power, but yet lay dormant when others are oppressed? How can we claim to be a nation of Christian evangelical leaders that claim the authority of Christ yet dump millions of dollars into the NRA and do nothing to put laws into place to protect young children from getting guns? How can we call ourselves evangelical Christians but no longer welcome the stranger? How can we call ourselves evangelical Christians yet spew negative rhetoric, tear down our brothers and sisters who disagree with us, and rip into the core of another's character with little thought of the damage that we may have done? How can we do this? Because somehow, deep down, we want the empire. We want to be emperors. And because we have bought so quickly into these ideas of the empire, we've built a faith that's so tangled up in our own prosperity. This idea that if I'm faithful and if I go to church and if I go to a Christian college and I believe in all the things that the empire is upholding as evangelical and Christian, that I will have this good full life and I will be protected and I will have money and I will have moral values and I will be blessed. I will be successful. That's why we live in a way and when tragedy strikes, when the unthinkable happens, when a mudslide takes out an entire region or an infant dies suddenly or the terminal cancer shows up again, we say things like, well, everything happens for a reason. God must have needed another angel. Because what we're trying to do is to align our Christian values with the empire. We're trying to make God and sin coexist. And they cannot. Revelation is telling us throughout the entire book, they cannot exist together. So if anyone ever says to you, everything happens for a reason, I give you permission this day to punch them in the face. <laughs> because it's as offensive to punch someone as it is to say everything happens for a reason. Because what you're doing is handing that person an existential crisis. You're saying to them, you better figure it out. You better do some more work. God's trying to teach you something, perhaps. Pay more attention, like a student in a class, and maybe, maybe you'll figure out the hidden secret behind this tragedy. Not helpful. But what is theologically more appropriate and comforting, when your world is falling apart, to have someone say to you, all will be redeemed. Because, my friends, we live in Babylon, and it is on fire. Tragedy has struck again and again and again. And Revelation is trying to tell us through this very dramatic image of dragons and empires on fire that this thing that we're trying to build on our own will not last. 
because we worshiped an empire and not a holy God, a God who sent us the lamb himself. And the lamb came to promise us that all will be redeemed. Because if we have any idea about who Jesus Christ was, we know that he walked through this world and he saw an empire. He saw more pain and suffering than any of us ever will see. He, will, he saw rulers take advantage of the lowly. He saw poverty and racism and oppression and death and dying. And he came in and he turned it all upside down and he pointed people to a new empire, one in which the old will be burned away and the new will come. So here in Revelation 21, he says this, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And in the spirit he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring it into the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Here in this picture, John gives us a redeemed people. And what they're doing is that they're bringing their art and their creativity and their beauty, and now they're on display in the new Jerusalem. So what does this all mean? What do we do? There's this empire in which I live in, in which is completely and totally on fire, but the scriptures say, if I profess the Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah, that I will be forgiven. So how do I live in this world knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord but still exists in this empire where so much is still falling apart. And what Revelation 21 is suggesting to us this morning is that we do the same thing we do in response to the election. It's the same thing we do in the response to homelessness or to the gun crisis or to the refugee crisis. We do the work we are called to do as God's people in the work of the kingdom of God. And what this means is that you are called to express your beauty. My friends, salvation is not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not just confessing your sins and then continuing to live as a member of the empire. It's much better explained of, as God coming down to earth. God coming here to build his kingdom of heaven here and now. Here and now, N.T. Wright says this, a proper grasp of the future hope held out to us in Jesus Christ is to hope for a better future in this world. And that is to say 
do in the present, what you do in the present will carry out God's future. What you do in your ordinary life, when you express beauty, when you play the violin, when you kill it on that lab over there with Dr. Mike, when you listen to your respected professor, when you give generously, when you dance, when you stop for the one in need, when you paint or sew or build a hospital, when you do any of those things and express beauty, you begin to live as act as if Jesus Christ is Lord. And we begin to live knowing that nothing that we do here is wasted. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And when we live like this, we will draw our friends, the ones who have given up on Jesus Christ, who are tired of the hypocrisy. They will begin to see that we live differently and we will draw them into the kingdom of God. I will tell you a story that I think captures this the best I've seen. There was a teacher who did everything she did she could do to be an incredible teacher. And there was a young girl in her class who wrote a memoir. And this young girl was born with multiple birth defects. She was deaf in one ear. She had a cleft palate, a disfigured face, a crooked nose, and lopsided feet. She was bullied by kids, and everyone always would ask her what had happened to her. And there, each year, they would have to do a hearing test. And it was her most scary day of the year because she was so hard of hearing. And so the kids would walk through, and the teacher would lean down and whisper into their ears, and they would say things like, the sky is blue, your shoes are red, and the student would have to say it back to test their hearing. And so this little young girl with all of these disfigurations, scared as she ever could be, went up to her beloved teacher and she cupped her good ear and tried so hard to hear the words, the sky is blue, your shoes are red. And instead, Marianne wrote, God must have put the words in her mouth that changed my life. Miss Leonard leaned down and whispered into her ear, I wish you were my little girl. And in that moment, this teacher told that little girl that all will be redeemed. And in that moment, she drew her into the new Jerusalem. And she brought God's kingdom down here onto the earth. My friends, Jesus the Christ is Lord. Act like it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.